So what's going to happen tonight is tonight we're taking a different format because I know that you don't get enough of school. So I'm going to take on a lecture format tonight, and so you're going to need your textbooks with you. So raise your hand if you don't have a textbook with you, and we'll deliver one to you right now. It's a good thing that I didn't assign any uh, reading assignments last week. <clears throat> I won't be marking you down or anything. Janelle, is your textbook outside? Okay. Just, we'd have to talk after class otherwise. Oh, yeah. It is cold in here, huh? Yeah. The reading that we have assigned for this evening that we're going to go through together is from Acts. We're going to go a little bit into Acts chapter 6. We're going to focus primarily on Acts chapter 7. And then we're going to finish right at the end of chapter 7. Okay? So if you want to go ahead and find Acts, I'm going to show you where it is. It's about that far into the Bible there. Yeah? Okay? You all got it? If you have the same Bible as mine, it's 1657. Okay? I mean textbook. My bad. And what we're doing tonight is we're looking at the first martyr story. Now, who knows what a martyr is? If you want to speak, you have to raise your hand because this is a classroom setting. Okay? Raise your hand. Come on. Who knows what a martyr is? Extra credit. Wow. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Okay, someone who's killed for what they believe. And in our context, in the Christian context, it has to do with someone who, because of their faith, because of the way that they live into their faith, they put everything on the line and they die for their faith. And so what we're looking at in Acts 7 is the first person to die for the Christian faith. Now, Jesus doesn't count. Do you know why? Because Jesus wasn't a Christian. Because <laughs> he couldn't have been. He was Christ, you know? Christians followed Christ. He, anyway. So anyway, so the first Christian martyr is Stephen, and that's who we're going to be looking at. And I know, I know college students today, we are all so excited to hear blood and gore and, you know, wonderful stories about people dying. Am I right? Yeah. That's why we watch movies like The Hunger Games. Uh-huh. Who watched The Hunger Games? Lots of blood, lots of gore, lots of people dying, and I loved it. Okay. So a martyr story is kind of exciting, but what is difficult with a martyr story is that it's really hard to relate to, because if you're hearing a martyr story, then you've not been a martyr before, and that means that you really don't know what it's like to die for your faith. Now, raise your hand if you know someone who's died for their faith. That's what I thought. Raise your hand if you know someone who knows someone who's died for their faith. Okay, now we're getting a little bit closer. But see how far removed we are from the reality of what it's like to be persecuted for believing something that someone doesn't like us to believe? And that's what's happening with Stephen. He really is not a bad guy. All of the scripture around Stephen tells us that he was a, he was a pretty darn good individual and he wasn't doing anything he didn't, that hurt anybody. He didn't say anything that was incredibly insulting necessarily. He just, he was speaking truth. And he was doing signs and wonders because his heart was so close to what Jesus' heart looked like that he was starting to reflect Jesus. And the people who didn't like Jesus and the people who killed Jesus saw that. They saw Jesus in Stephen, and so they did what they did to Jesus. 
They killed him. I know, I'm totally sorry. I should have said spoiler alert, right? He dies in the end. Okay, so let's just get past that little fact right now. Well, since this is How to Be a, Mur a Martyr 101 class that you've signed up for tonight, we're going to learn how to be a martyr like Stephen. Aren't you all excited? I'll give you five easy steps. Four, three of them are about dying, and two of them are about living. And if you follow these steps, you too can be like Stephen, a martyr. Okay? Good. I'm glad you signed up to attend this class tonight. It'll be so fun. Okay, so the first thing we're going to look at is how to die. Okay? Three, three easy steps on how to die. The first one is going to come from Acts 6, verse 7. So go ahead and find that in your textbook. Acts 6, verse 7. The first thing we're going to learn is how to die to our own plans. You see, Stephen was kind of like you. He was young. I think he was probably a college student if there were college students in the day. Okay? And he had to die to his plans because Stephen was in a group called the Disciples. The disciples were actually people who walked on the earth with Christ, who were there when Christ was killed, and who were there when Christ came back to life and was resurrected, and were there when Christ ascended. They were also there when Christ gave this last command. And it comes from Matthew 28, 18. It's called the Great Commission. It's when Christ says, all authority has been given to me to tell you to go and make disciples in all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Okay, Jesus says to his disciples, go to all the nations, to all the worlds, and make disciples. And the reason we need to know how to die to our plans is because Stephen took on this, this commission he was with the disciples, and he saw himself going to all the nations. But what does Acts 6-7 tell us about where Stephen was? Read it, and then tell me. Raise your hand. Where is Stephen? So the word of God spread. Oh, go ahead. Jerusalem. Excellent. Good job. You're an A student, I can tell. So Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Stephen is still in Jerusalem, and that's where all of this took place. All this, you know, Jesus, he came on Palm Sunday into Jerusalem. He was um, brought before the Sanhedrin in Jerusalem. He was crucified, died, buried, and rose again in Jerusalem. So Stephen hasn't even gone anywhere. And maybe you can relate to that a little bit, because I'm assuming that you guys have plans to go somewhere. I actually happen to know that some of you are hoping to get far away from here, <laughs> okay? Maybe Stephen was feeling that way too, but Stephen knew that he needed to die to his plans so that he could live for Christ, okay? So that's the first thing about dying is that we have to let go of the plans that we've made for ourselves. That doesn't mean that we can't make plans, okay? That's a good thing. Let's make plans. But what we do is we hold those plans loosely. We don't hold them nice and tight and say, I am so going to do this and that. The Bible tells us to hold it loosely because we don't know what tomorrow brings. So like Stephen, let's die to holding our plans tightly and just hold them loosely. That's the first step to becoming a martyr like Stephen was. You're so excited about being martyrs, aren't you? I just knew you'd, you'd want to hear about this. Okay, let's go to point number two. 
The next thing that we have to know is that we need to die to our reputation. Okay, we all have a rep. Do you still call it a rep? I called it a rep when I was in college. We all have a reputation. It's the way that people see us, and it's, it's how we want people to see us. It's, it's kind of like what, what we want them to think about us, and we have to die to that reputation. And I found this cool little story about a little girl who died to her reputation. It says, a little girl was talking to her teacher about whales. The teacher said it was physically impossible for a whale to swallow a human because even though it's a very large mammal, its throat is very small. What story are we talking about where someone swallowed by a whale? Jonah, good job class. The little girl stated that the whale swallowed Jonah whole, but the teacher was irritated. And the teacher reiterated that whales cannot swallow humans. It's just physically impossible. So the little girl threw her hands in the air and said, well, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jonah. And the teacher said, what if Jonah went to hell? And the little girl said, well, then you can ask him. <laughs> I know. It wasn't me. I know she looks a lot like me, but it wasn't me. So what this little girl shows us is that she was, she was dead to her reputation. She wasn't so worried about what the teacher was thinking about her that she was able to step out on the line and take a, a chance. Now, I'm not saying you should go around telling people anything like that. However, she was so sure that God is big enough to make a whale that can swallow a human that physicality doesn't matter. Okay? That's what I'm talking about here. It's about believing things that are hard to believe just because God said it was true, okay? So we die to our reputation by believing things that are hard to believe. And that's what Stephen did too. So now turn to Acts 6, and we're looking at Acts 6, 9 through 14. Now read 9 through 14, you know, just in your heads for a minute. And then what I want to hear is what happens to Stephen because he died to his reputation. So what is it that the people who were mad at him, did to him when he died to his reputation. So go ahead and read 6, 9 through 14. What are some of the things that happened to Stephen because he died to his reputation? Good. People argued with him. Okay, he's standing up front and he's teaching the truth and people are arguing against him. What else happens? What else do they do? Go ahead. Say it again. Totally. They, they, find, they not only lie about him, but they go and find other people to lie for, about him too, huh? Okay, what else? How about from verse somewhere where it says that they seized him, okay? They seized him, and they brought him to the court. They charged him for telling the truth. His reputation was on the line, and he could have at that point said, hold on, hold on, hold on, what I really mean, and he could have just backed up a little bit and made things right. Or he could have been like, I never meant to offend you. So let me just think about it, and, and then I'll restate it so it doesn't hurt you. Okay? 
That would have been him protecting his reputation, but instead, his reputation died so that the truth could be told. So the first step is to die to the plans that we have, and the second step is to die to our reputations, to let go of what people think about us when we're speaking the truth, to let them think it. It's okay, because the people who needed to hear it heard it, and the people who couldn't listen are not our responsibility. We don't have to win them over for us, okay? So we die to our reputation. Okay, so we're dying to our plans. We're dying to our reputation. The third one is that we need to die to our self-image. You know, we looked just now about what people think about us, but now it has to do with what other people see in us or what we see in us. How do I look? How do I sound? Am I, am I, um, do I look good? <laughs> Which sometimes I wonder. Anyway, let's turn to Acts 6.15. It says, All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. I really love this verse because it starts with a really important word. What's the first word that it starts with? All. That means that the people who were for him and the people who were against him, the people who saw God and the people who didn't want to see God, they all saw that there was something miraculous going on in Stephen. And that's not because of who Stephen was. It's not because of what Stephen chose to wear that day. It's not because he was wearing his bling and shining a little. Okay, this has to do with what the Holy Spirit was doing in Stephen. Stephen shined like the face of an angel. He wasn't supposed to shine like the face of Stephen. That wasn't the point. What he was supposed to do is take on the image of God and shine like the face of an angel. And because he wasn't concerned with himself, because he died to his plans and he died to his reputation, and because he was dying to his self-image, he was able to reflect God to all, even the people who didn't want to see it, right? Okay, I lied. There's four dies, two lives. The last thing that needs to die is that we need to, to die to things being all about us, okay? Raise your hand if you know someone who thinks everything needs to be about them. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> be honest with me because I have, you know, someone in my family who's like that. Come on. Okay? There are those people who feel like everything needs to be about them. And Stephen wasn't one of those people. Now, we find this out in section in the... Uh, Seventh chapter, starting with verse 2. And it goes all the way to verse 53. So I'm not going to have you read this tonight. I'm just going to give you a little brief synopsis, okay? Because Stephen was telling God's truth that day. And it wasn't, it wasn't Stephen that was being um, made known. It was the history of Israel. Now, it was Stephen's history 
because Stephen was an Israelite, okay? But all the people he was talking to, it was their history too. So all he was saying is, look, this is where you come from. This is how God has shown up in your history. And so he tells them about, his an- about their ancestors. He tells them, he reminds them of, of Abraham. Abraham was one who had to leave his land and he had to go um, wherever God told him to go. And he had to live as an alien, which means that he didn't ever belong. From the time that he met God, he never belonged again. He never felt at home again. And then after Abraham, we heard about Joseph and how Joseph was, was um, his brothers were so jealous of him that they threw him in a pit and they just about near killed him. But God saved him only to throw him in a dungeon and to turn him into a slave. And God saved him only to do it again, to throw him in another dungeon and make him be another slave. And then God saved him again. And wouldn't you know, God used all of that in order to bless the Israelites. You see, it wasn't what he planned. And it certainly wasn't who he thought he was. But God used it to do great things. See, God doesn't do the things that we think he's going to do often. Often God does things that we just really find hard to understand. And when we think it's all about us, that's when we start to say, this isn't fair. It's so not fair. Because that's coming from a place where I think it's about me. I lost this friend to cancer a couple years ago, and I remember thinking he could have done so much good work on earth for the Lord. His heart was just so pure, and his face just about shone like an angel's. And I just remember thinking, it's not fair. It's not fair that he had to die. But God says it's not about him, and it's not about what I want. It's about what I'm doing, and what I'm doing is good. So God calls us to die to it being about us. Stephen goes on to talk about Moses. Moses, who was born at a time when all the baby boys were being killed. Moses, who survives that, grows up and says to the Israelites, hey, God has called me to be your leader. And the Israelites say, nah, you're not our leader. And they shove him out. Moses, who comes back and does lead them. And then they reject him and they reject God over and over and over again. You see, the story of God isn't what you expect it to be. Because if you expect that it's going to be about you and what you want, then it might be time to revisit Scripture and find out again how to see God in the, in the world around us. When Stephen was, was speaking in this, in this chapter, 7, 2 through 53, he was basically telling the Israelites... You guys, you have it really good right now. You know the laws. You're living the laws. You're worshiping God in the temple. You love your temple. You love the way life is right now. It's really good and it's all working for you, but it's not about you. And that's the point that they said, we can hear nothing more from you. Because that's when, that's when, when Stephen was showing them how God can take what they love and, and take it away. And they didn't want to hear this from Stephen. And that's why Stephen becomes a martyr. 
Now let's go on. Now, now in this point in the story, Stephen is, um, he's, he's taken and he is um, taken from the trial and the, the crowd just goes mad with anger and they drag him out to the edge of the city and they throw him down and they stone him. But see, this is the part of the story where we learn how to live, okay? We've already learned how to die. This is when we learn how to live. Another story that teaches us how to live with our eyes on God, because that's what Stephen did. This is from another kindergartner. A kindergarten teacher was observing her classroom of children while they were drawing. She would occasionally walk around to see each child's work. As she got to one little girl who was working diligently, she asked what the drawing was. The girl replied, I'm drawing God. The teacher paused and said, but no one knows what God looks like. Without missing a beat or looking up from her drawing, the girl replied, well, they will in a minute. (laughs) This child had her eyes on God, and she was drawing what she saw. Stephen had his eyes on God. And this is what he saw. Look at Acts 7.55. Acts 7.55 says, But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. So Stephen had his eyes on God, and that's our first step in learning how to live, is to keep our eyes on God. And I love what he saw, because it's only in this story that anywhere in Scripture does it say that Jesus is standing at the right hand of God. Some people, some biblical scholars and me, (laughs) we see this as Jesus in the ready Jesus is not sitting on the right hand of God, which is what is usually spoken of in Scripture. But this time Jesus is standing at the right hand of God. Jesus is ready. Jesus is ready to go give special need to Stephen. Because Stephen is in a place where he needs something special. Jesus is in the ready to welcome Stephen home. Jesus is in the ready to welcome Stephen to life. Jesus is ready. Because Jesus is always ready when we have need. I love that. I love that. Okay, the last, the last point I want to make is that we need to learn to live just like Jesus. Sounds simple, but it's totally true. And to find out how Stephen did this, look at Acts 7, verse 60. We're actually going to do 59 through 60. It says, while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. You should know that asleep is a euphemism for death in ancient Greek Aramaic times. So that's when Stephen dies. 
extra credit for the person who can tell me who this passage reminds them of. Oh, who said it? Jesus. Extra credit. Good job. A student. That's right. Does it remind you of Jesus too? Because Jesus, when he was on the cross, said the same things. It said, he said, um, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he also said, um, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. So Stephen, at the point of his death, because his eyes were trained on God, because he had died, not physically, but to those earthly ties that were so unnecessary, was able to take on the very image of God dying on the cross. Another really cool thing I want you to know about this particular passage, it speaks to me, I hope it speaks to you, but I'm not really sure what it's saying, so I'm going to leave that up to the Spirit. But apparently, Lord Jesus received my spirit is from a psalm that was used as a childhood prayer for the little Israelites. Isn't that cool? That was a childhood bedtime prayer. It reminds me of, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to, stay, to take. So Stephen, at the time of his death, is praying a child's prayer that he knew by heart. And it was giving him what he needed at the time he needed it the most. And he was also in a place where he wasn't burdened by hatred and bitterness and unforgiveness. We walk around with this burden all the time, don't we? We carry this unforgiveness with us all the time. But Stephen didn't carry it with him. He didn't have it. And so in order to live like Jesus, we need to let go of that burden too. So we're going to focus on Acts 7, 54 through 60. Okay? This is our assignment. I want you to start with reading 54 through 56 together. And then just share the last time that you either lived for God, you saw someone who lived for God, or you just saw God. And I know, I'm, I'm assuming that everyone even believes in God in this room. If you don't believe in God, that's totally okay. But I think you probably saw something in your life that made you wonder if there is a God. So if that's you, you can still participate, okay? So we're looking for evidence of God, either in the way that someone lived, in the way that you lived, or in, in just something that you saw that made you think God lived. So go ahead and do that. I'm just going to give you a couple minutes. Okay, let's bring it back together. Is there anyone who can say in one sentence how they answered this question? Even though you're afraid of the end of the world. Okay. So she read the book of Revelation even though she's afraid of the end of the world. That's a, that's a great example. That's great because I'm still afraid of the book of Revelation. So well done. You're inspiring me. One more person. Go ahead. Okay. So he heard God say go, and he didn't have the money for it, and it was not necessarily in his plans, and he still went. So that's good. That's good. Okay, so the next one, we're going to look at 757 and 58. 
And in this, I want you to be thinking as you're reading this out loud to each other, what have you covered your ears to that God needs you to uncover them? What have you covered your ears to that God needs you to uncover to be able to hear? Okay, think about the times that you've done this when God is speaking and you need to do this. Ready? Go. Okay, let's bring it back together. Who will share in one sentence when they've had to do this? When was the last time you covered your ears when you needed to take your hands off your ears? This is going to be hard, huh? This is the vulnerability spot. Go ahead. Oh, that's such a good example. She said, reading devotionals just to get them done. Ugh. I feel that pain. Yep. One more. Yeah. Okay, so. No, that's okay. So listening to music that influences your mood. So you need to do more of this to the music that takes you to places you shouldn't be. And more of this to the music that takes you to places you should be. That's good. I like it. It even works with the whole auditory symbolism. Nicely done. Okay, here's the last one. Okay, we're reading verses 7, 59, and 60. And the question I'm asking is that you name specifically something that's got to die and something that's got to live in you. Okay, use these, this text, this scripture to help you think of, you know, spirit, to ask the spirit to show you what in me has to die and what in me needs to live. Okay, go. Okay, so who can tell us what needs to die and what needs to live? Go ahead. Okay, so flesh being the material wants. The things that you want material. What's that? Worldly things. Got it. So they said that the things that need to die in them is the worldly things that they're craving. And the thing that needs to live in them is the love of God. What's that, what's that love look like? Specifically. <laughs> okay, I'll take that peace. The love of God looks like peace. And that peace is hard to have when, you know, papers are due and when finals are coming and when the boyfriend said something that he really should have known better and the girlfriend keeps texting me a lot. So, peace. <laughs> okay, who else? I was tapping into my inner male. <laughs> what needs to die and what needs to live? Come on, this is all about how to be a martyr. Come on. Okay. So for, for him, the things that needs to die have to do with his history, the bitterness and the pride that he's been holding on to. Because in order to live into his future, where God is calling him, he, those things need to die. So that's the dying and the living. I saw one more hand over here. Oh, I didn't. I, I didn't see that. She was stretching. Okay. This side, come on, one more. Okay. So she's got some dying and living and dying and living. <laughs> it's like a cycle in her life. So what they're talking about over there is, is that we need to die to fear. And scripture actually tells us that fear doesn't come from God. So if you've got fear in your life, 
It's not, it's not supposed to be there. And anxiety needs to go. Those things need to die so that we can be in a better place to trust. And when we are trusting God, we don't have to trust ourselves so much. So we die to trusting ourselves and relying on ourselves when we trust in God because we realize we're, we're not in this alone. Just like Stephen had Jesus standing by the right hand of God the Father in heaven, Jesus is standing and ready to give what we need, that we can trust him to do that. We don't have to fear. That's good. That'll preach. Good job, Holly. Okay, so raise your hand if you feel like you know how to be a martyr. At least a little bit. Okay, good. Let's go out and do that.